Welcome back to Mind and Machine Africa, unlocking the potential of AI in Africa. And today's episode is a very special episode. It's an episode that's finally going to speak on something that for me has been both a friend and an enemy, a frenemy of sorts. Regulations and legal aspects of things have not been the best things that I know, but I have two great guests, another great surprise for today, who have been part of my evolution from moving from hating, or not hate is a strong word, for <laughs> finding it difficult to accept uh, how technology, regulation and legal have an intersection to me appreciating it. And fun fact, um, worked with them for two and a half years, uh, but before then we'd meet at conferences and <laughs> I'd argue Passionately, why? <laughs> <laughs> why they're sitting on the wrong side? That's true. Uh, best way to, to get to know someone of the industry rather was to get myself as deep into it. And so I found myself in a very technology hungry and driven law firm. But I allow my guests to speak more about themselves and what they do. Over to you, ladies. Uh, good day, everyone. My name is Catherine Karyuki Mulika. And um, thanks for that intro, Mike. <laughs> I am a TMT lawyer uh, practicing from Nairobi. And um, what we're going to discuss today is um, one of those things that, as you said, we've always um, you know, touched on every time we meet. Um, it's always nice um, to pick a techie's brain on most of these technical issues because of the intersection between law and, and, and tech. Um, so I'm very excited to be here today and I'm looking forward to the discussions that we'll have. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that introduction, Mike. Michael Michie. <laughs> 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 um, my name is Janet Otero. I'm a corporate and commercial lawyer working at Triple OK Law Advocates. Uh, and my area of specific interest is the telecommunications and technology space, uh, where we support a lot of corporate clients and startups with um, any sort of legal services within that sector. So I'm happy to be here today because our journey into this particular area of practice has not been an easy one, like you said. Yeah. A lot of arguments, <laughs> a lot of learning on the way. And um, we're glad to be here having these discussions um, today. Yeah. yeah, so thanks. Welcome, welcome. So... I guess we just get the ball rolling right off the bat. And do we start at the top of the hill and roll downwards or do we climb up the mountain? I think we attack from any side, from all any directions. Side. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I've always had this thing that, mm -hmm. well, I think it's possible, but let, let's start with that hot potato. Mm -hmm. If I could get an AI to do your job, would it do a good job? We've seen ChatGPT pass the bar exam. That's true. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, mm. I am, uh, I have collaborated a lot with ChatGPT as well, and I'm one of those people who've concluded, not really. I mean, mm. yes, it can do certain components like the mundane tasks and everything of my job, and it's actually mm. really making my work easier yeah. at work. But will it, um, I mean, take over my job or as, as people are saying, should we panic as lawyers because chat GTP is here, GPT is here? I don't think so. I mean, if you think about the conversation that um, when, um, what was the name of that AI, that uh, the chess, um, the one that beat 
um, someone in chess, and I think mm. it was deep like thought. in the in yeah, the 90s or early 2000s. Mm. Gary Kasparov versus I think Deep Thought. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. and everyone would have thought, okay, no more chess now. That I mean, yeah. AI has shown us that um, people can play chess better, and here we are. Chess is still our favorite game, yeah. like that's still played by human beings, and that people still enjoy. So my answer is no. I don't know what that Janet likes. <laughs> no, I I, I I don't I don't agree completely. Agree yeah. for now, yeah. for now, because mm-hmm. all these things keep on evolving. Yeah, uh, because um, our job is it's it's theoretical, but it's also physical. And the physical means getting out there, meeting clients, interacting. Human interaction. Yeah, human interaction, going to registries, going to court. And that all requires a lot of physical movement unless they digitize a lot of the government services. But there's also the emotional interaction we get from our clients, especially the emotional interaction when they pay your fee note. There's no better feeling. There's no better feeling than that, which I don't think any artificial intelligence will be able to give you that satisfaction yeah. when you're sitting across from your client. You've won a case for your client. You've uh, settled a suit for your client, and they're just uh, giving you that feeling of gratitude and appreciation, yeah. and paying your fee note at the same time. Exactly. I don't think any technology exactly. can ever replace that. The, the, con- uh, the conscious mm. side of things. Yeah. I mean, ca- is AI conscious, or would would it be able to? Um, what would it, I don't know what the technical term it, it, uh, you'd call it, but would it be able to demonstrate that consciousness? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the small things like when I appear before a judge yeah. and there's the whole demeanor. The, the other aspects, apart from, say, the submissions that I put before the court or the pleadings that I put before the court, there are other aspects that, say, influence the determination yeah. or the outcome of um, a matter or how... Um, even outside court, say, if you're a commercial lawyer, how a transaction, um, you know, goes or, or ends or yeah. the outcomes. And I, I don't think AI will be able to replicate that. But as a techie, I'm curious to hear yeah. what are your thoughts. <laughs> it's not now. It won't happen now. Uh, I don't, it's, it's not a doomsday thing, yeah. prediction. But in the event that we do find ourselves with uh, artificial general intelligence or super intelligence, yeah. a, lot, a lot of knowledge-based jobs would disappear. Yeah. I guess the, the key challenge is what Janet pointed out. Like, there's a lot of physical movement. Mm-hmm. If those processes were digitized, then yeah. AI would have uh, an uh, easier route yeah. But before it, re- it doesn't yeah. replace you right away, exactly. I think it will come, it will be used as a collaborative tool, it'll, you'll embed it in your day-to-day, so you'll work sort of like you and the AI as peers, mm-hmm. and then over time, organizations, institutions will start deciding where do they put the value. Do they put the value in the human mm-hmm. or in the AI? Mm. Who's, who's better at it, who's not better at it? I remember the project we wanted to do at Tripolo, that maybe that can help speak mm. to consciousness yeah. because <laughs> I think consciousness, well, anything can be, if, I, if you can code it, yes, it can simulate. Mm-hmm. So if AI is a simulation of human intelligence, can, can it sim- simulate it, emotions? Human emotion. As though. soon as we figure out how the ones and zeros look like <laughs> in that situation, mm-hmm. we might be able to. So that project that we are working on was very interesting. We were trying to see if we could replicate. Uh, using AI, that TV series, uh, remember, Bull? Mm, yes, I remember. It could read the jury and predict. And yes. it started, all right, that's the project we're going to work on yeah, a triple yeah. yeah. If it's going to be able to read... Copyright. Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to be able to read emotions, mm-hmm. then 
it AI would then find a way to simulate emotion. Mm -hmm. The same way we see animated shows and we see characters crying or they're happy. Mm -hmm. So I think for the physical bit, as long as the processes can be digitized, mm -hmm. then it's just a matter of time for it to move from uh, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence to artificial general intelligence and for it to take over. Because I think by the time it's getting there, humans will be more focused on the end result mm -hmm. of a legal journey mm -hmm. than the emotional one. We'll be sitting by a campfire <laughs> and we'll be hearing the stories of the day people would rush to court to see this judge and, oh, I forgot my tie, yeah. or the day that this guy stood up and said objection. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Those will be those... Urban legends. Urban legend stories. We'll just be like, oh yeah, like I put it in and then after five minutes, my AI argued with the AI, then the AI judge ruled and that was the ruling yeah. and I'll see if I'll appeal or I'll just let it go. I, I, see, I see your point. Um, but let me add, I, I think like any other emerging technologies on what we've seen, how they've uh, disrupted, say, industries and things yeah. like that, I think for us lawyers and other pro uh, professionals as well, I think what will happen is our roles will be redefined. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, um, you know, gotten rid of so that now there's no need for, say, lawyers or advisors, but I think our roles will be redefined. So the role of, say, a lawyer in court yeah. will be redefined. And, and I say this, my backing is, I remember when document automation um, came on yeah. and um, many firms were embracing, um, you know, document automation software. And now people were able to say, use templates and quickly, yeah. you know, literally a client can be waiting over there at the reception. You quickly generate whatever they've come to do yeah. and um, you're done, done. Yeah. In 30 minutes, you tell them in 30 minutes, you'll have your document ready. And I remember when that happened, um, most of the other law firms were like, pass. Um, this is it. Mm. We can no longer compete with um, the these firms. guys, with the big firms, and this is the end of us. But, I mean, as we all know, there are so many law firms that yeah. are out there thriving. Yeah. Um, and, um, but it was a real fear those yeah. days. So I think the same thing, um, that those will gain competitive advantage, obviously, uh, with now like AI, like chat G GPT, especially if you view it as a collaborator. Yeah. Like how can you work together with it to harness, um, say, certain efficiencies yeah. and things mm -hmm. like that. But no, I... I I, I don't think, I think redefined. I'll stick yeah. with redefined, but mm. not really um, got a bit of end. I have a question for you, Michael. So, you know, as usually you're the techie plug. Mm -hmm. So I know that thing for um, AGI, yeah. like it keeps being thrown around and you've yeah. also mentioned it now. And I kept on asking, what's this AGI and why are we talking about AGI? Why are we no longer just talking about AI? Yeah. And, and, and now what's the difference? between, say, AI, and why are we having a conversation now about um, AGI? So, AGI, well, I always say, okay, I can't define AGI without first having to try and define AI. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, AI, artificial intelligence, for me, is a simulation of human intelligence mm -hmm. that can improve on itself. Mm -hmm. So, for me, a key factor of AI's existence, it's the fact that it can be trained, Mm -hmm. and it can get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's AI. Anything mm -hmm. else is just a computer software. Mm -hmm. 
but AI is trained specifically like an example deep thought was trained to play chess mm -hmm. chat gpt is a language model mm -hmm. so it's good at it's good with english mm -hmm. i throw for it uh, any african dialect doesn't it's, process. it's not going to process <laughs> yeah so that's a very specific area it's built for uh -huh. general intelligence means it's as good as a human so it's mm -hmm. able to take knowledge from one domain use it in another domain mm -hmm. so it can cook it can drive a car mm -hmm. uh, it can do your laundry mm -hmm. you can do your day-to-day -day. that would be artificial general intelligence because mm -hmm. it's it's now able to it has knowledge from multiple domains where it mm -hmm. does not have knowledge mm -hmm. it's able to trend in far from other domains and like okay so i don't know i don't know how to cook mm -hmm. let's cook the right example yeah, I don't know how to cook, <laughs> but <laughs> I've watched a bunch of videos of how people cook. Mm. So and now I have an idea and I've been eating food. Mm -hmm. So I can probably go into the kitchen and I might get it right. Mm -hmm. An AI that's uh, using transformers or generative, generative AI that's able to identify water boiling, water that's not boiling, mm -hmm. does not then have that, cannot then infer the knowledge mm -hmm. There's a reason why we are boiling the water before we add in the flour. Mm. But AJ would be able to infer that. It may mm. have not been taught but after you boil the water, you add the but, flour, but it yeah. can relate that end goal of uh, the food you're making mm -hmm. and a bunch of other non-contextual videos or other learnings it's had. Yeah. Super intelligence is where now it knows all. As in super intelligence is... The things you see in the movies that you take a pill and you, you remember everything, mm. you know everything, you can predict everything with 100% accuracy, that's super intelligence. Mm -hmm. A small gap before AGI and super intelligence is where we have now that peer connection, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where we will then have augmentation of mm -hmm. AI into, our, into ourselves yeah. physically. Yeah. So either... And so most likely it will be the invasive, or I think then an invasive surgery is that Elon Musk is trying to do with Neuralink. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have an AGI yeah. wow. that's mm -hmm. like an extra brain with some storage and compute. And it's helping you out. Then at that stage, that intersection between that peer, you and your AI as a peer, mm -hmm. I think then that will lead to the evolution now of now a super intelligence. Mm. So that's the journey. It's... It's, it sounds... Is it anytime soon? No. It's the kind of thing that sounds... <laughs> that, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. And is there even any AI that has been developed that has achieved that super intelligence? What you'd call... No one has gotten to super intelligence. There are fears that AI might get to general intelligence. Mm. Um, what, been... what is Sophia? Sophia is at which level now? Sophia the robot? Just AI. Everything, Just AI. everything is still at AI. Okay. Even chat GPT and all these other models... They're okay. all still oh. at AI. Oh. Yeah, nothing is. I don't want to say nothing is Beyond. close because the recent petition that was being signed by all those industry experts wanting wanting a pause on the uh, further training of mm. AI mm. models mm. speaks to. It speaks okay. It speaks of a good spirit mm -hmm. for let's first figure out where we are going mm -hmm. before we build these things which we will have no control of in the future if they do become 
conscious if they do develop into general intelligence so that's right there's that and speaking to uh-huh. that letter and people coming to write these petitions i want to take uh, we've already now cr- crossed the first peak of our mountain that mm-hmm. we've been mm-hmm. either climbing or descending down mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. as advocates who advise startups mm-hmm. especially on whatever they are building or even well set up organizations there's always the issue of who's liable mm-hmm. for the decisions the ai makes mm-hmm. is it going to be the company mm-hmm. that makes it the mm-hmm. company that uses it or in some cases the artificial intelligence who gets the red card or who's left holding the baby yeah i mean those are discussions that have been had um and are still being had as we speak because um if you look at any civil case um there's always a co- the person who causes the incident the mm-hmm. person who you're able to attribute the blame to and you're able to prove this and the person who suffers the injury or the damage yeah. again with criminal cases is the same thing you always have the perpetrator who the uh, state or police is able to show they did the action they were in the right mental frame when they did this particular action and because of that they broke a law or they caused damage to somebody or to somebody's property So when you're looking at liability when it comes to AI the discussion and the um issues that people have had is do we go on some sort of strict liability and say it doesn't matter you developed it you take accountability or do we say it's on a balance of probabilities in terms of let's prove let's open the veil and prove whether it's this person who caused the particular damage mm-hmm. and like you said when you open ai there's so many people behind ai yeah. it might be one of those open initiatives of ai yeah. it might be a vendor who's selling it if you yeah. have a vendor then it makes your case easy because you're able to go directly to this person by way of contract and prove it you're also looking at issues of automation of driving you're looking at somebody who probably developed it there's somebody who's programming it on the back end to continuously give it more data and give it more um, improvement you're looking at somebody who probably bought it and is the person who's licensed it to you and you're looking at a long line of people who are behind the product yeah. so one of the angles that proponents are actually arguing is let's do a whole product liability sort of case so who's liable for this product who's liable for the quality for the delivery for the um aptitude and for the correctness of use of this product in the market then if you're in that line of fire mm-hmm. you should also be held accountable some people argue no let's go straight to the developer because they had the obligation to do this but remember depending on the circumstances in which this ai was developed there's a whole line of people they may have worked with did their part still doing their part within the ai they've not worked mm. out of it should they also be held accountable so it's one of those scenarios where people are saying it's a black box thing yeah like the way an airplane would crash yeah. then you have to go get the black box then you have to open it and listen to the last recording yeah. so do we apply that when it comes to ai and it's now up to courts and a lot of pre- um, court decisions that you're waiting on yeah. to kind of know which direction the world is going to take and then as kenyans we rely mm. on a lot of british law yeah. or the european law because they are a bit ahead in terms of tech policy to see what kind of decisions they'll be making when it comes to liability for ai yeah. in kenya currently thank god we don't have a case on ai yeah. but there are actually a lot of um, them going on in america and europe there could have been a case i remember back in it must be 2018 2017 mm-hmm. ntsa was trying to bring in a few teslas <laughs> and they were asked by the authorities all right so 
once I stop the cow, who do I talk to? So it was, a, it was an issue of, yes, you brought in this self-driving car, but the traffic officer has a process that he follows. Mm -hmm. He stops the car, he goes to the drivers for the driving license. He cannot start the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he's stopped, he's, if he's managed to stop a self-driving car, then it's going to be talking to... I mean, talking to, yeah. It's not to, to talk to, so there's an issue of process. Yeah. But I like what you've touched on when you brought about the whole issue of Europe. Mm. And recently, Europe, of course, is working on its AI strategy mm -hmm. from mm. a EU perspective. perspective. Well. Then you mentioned we are waiting for them. Mm. Then that the thing, another thing which rocks my boat about the legal systems that we use, we are waiting for judgments from their side to help us infer new judgments. I yeah. think it's called yeah. jurisprudence yeah. or yeah. precedence. Yeah. Precedence. Yeah. Precedence. Yeah. I hate that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I don't, again, hate Imagine the strong word. I find it I find it slightly flawed as, as a way of reasoning because this case went this way. All other cases should go follow. this way. Yeah. yeah. I mean I think okay, so it's it's historical. AI, it's historical. It's historical because, um, you know, like in Kenya, uh, we are a former British colony. And what happened is most uh, former British colonies followed common law. So, I mean, we adopted their, 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 their laws or their, their way um, they... Their legal system. Their legal system, so to speak. And because of that, um, what would happen is because um, judicially, um, in, in courts and everything... Somehow they just tend to um, address some of these issues yeah. way before. <laughs> As, because mm. I, it can't be, and I'm, I'm saying that because in the innovation space, you're right, in the innovation space, it is hard to sustain an argument that they, they are ahead of us in terms of innovation as compared to here. In fact, I think in Africa, in Kenya, um, the environment is better in terms of innovation. There is much, much more that is going mm. on here. But for some reason, um, it still hasn't made its way to our courts mm -hmm. so that the matters can be determined before and probably they can look at at our court systems in terms of reference. Like this is what has been litigated on in Kenya and yeah. this is what mm. the courts have held in Kenya. I don't know why, <laughs> but still, even as we're talking about all those issues, like, um, um, like as I said, in the innovation space and in the tech space, you know there's a lot that's going on here. Mm. And you know, like um, in terms of, say, um, the, the, um, the products, the kind of products that are put out in Kenya, actually many people come to look at Kenya as a case point. Yeah. You know, those jurisdictions that come and they look at Kenya and they say, what you guys are mm. doing here, we want to study, we want to see what is going here. But when it you go to the translate. court, it's not translating into that the matter is actually going before um, our court system to be determined or, or laws. Yeah. Laws are not necessarily being churned out in good time so that we can be the reference point for other people. Mm. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> is, it a is it now a policy discussion? Does it need to be yeah. a policy issue? Even ten if policy gets, discussions, we tend to not that address that. Prudence. Th what is it called again? You, uh, precedence. Uh, precedence. If you can get rid of precedence, I am all for it. Please go make those laws. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Those laws in I know. Court. And actually, talking about um, taking you guys back when you were talking about um, 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 the AI yeah. in terms of liability, mm. you know what came to my mind is um, 
if you think about how when companies started, um, Janet would notice this on the legal side, when companies started, companies used to be viewed as the same as a person. There was no difference between Michael and his company. Mm -hmm. And then it went to court, and over time, mm -hmm. court now um, are the ones that reached those decisions that concluded that Michael and the company, there's what we call a limited liability company. Mm -hmm. And over time now, Michael started being seen as separate yeah. from the company that he owns. Mm -hmm. But you see, it took time. Initially, there was no difference between Michael and the company. And say if Michael went into a deal and um, someone needed to come after Michael's company, they would also come after you and your assets. But as we know it today, if you have a limited liability company, um, the company is looked at as a separate legal person mm -hmm. from Michael. Mm -hmm. So then the question that I want to pose to you guys, mm -hmm. Do you foresee a situation where an AI might be considered a standalone person in the future? Yes. Uh -huh. we, we just support your answer. There's no current example, but we just need to figure out one thing. Yeah. So the example you've given is reminded me of why of something that's in the Bible. So in the Bible, there's actually a lot more. The Bible has a lot more to say about hell mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. punishment than mm -hmm. it has to do about heaven. Mm. Oh, really? So that infers <laughs> we have a means of punishment. Mm -hmm. So now we mm -hmm. can distinguish the wrongs of the many mm -hmm. for the wrongs of the few. Mm. The legal system then comes and then decides, now we know how to punish companies. So we can separate the individual from the company. Mm -hmm. yes. When you figure out how to, how to punish artificial intelligence, yeah. <laughs> we can then separate artificial intelligence from, from the developers from, of the from the developers from the, that entire stack of people who we are still trying to figure out yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who's responsible for what aspect for what, what? aspect yeah. yeah because the, everyone could be good at their job yeah but then maybe the data was Did wrong. not support yeah the data was wrong so it was trained on poor data yeah. Yeah. so that's no one's fault okay that could be maybe the data the guy <laughs> who brought the data mm -hmm. but yeah. how was the how are they supposed to know the data was wrong yeah so maybe negligence, who knows, ignorance. Yeah. But then now there are so many people to blame. But once yeah. you figure out how do we put AI to task, how are we able to punish it, yeah. then my answer becomes yes. You should be able. So what the EU is actually trying to do with its um, act, like you said, and some of the regulations it's, it's actually putting forward is risk-based approach. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to look at this AI and kind of tell the um, whoever is responsible for this AI, whether it's a high-risk one or low-risk one, you need to be transparent. And we are going to take you to task on transparency of the algorithms of the use, the architecture of the product and everybody behind it. Because a lot of people keep on falling on, oh, intellectual property, oh, uh, trade secret, oh, this is how it works. You only need to know how it works from the front end and not the back end. So the EU is now placing stricter and tighter obligations. In fact, it's actually a compliance issue that may be penalized if you're not transparent from the outset about your AI for you to actually even get the approval or the licensing to use it in the European Union. So maybe with that transparency, with that clear roadmap and with that clear sort of a distinction of who's who and what's what, it might be easy to actually say now it's not the stack of people behind it, it is actually the AI because it failed to perform this function yeah. while everyone was operating optimally. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're trying to go at by saying be transparent, then let's measure the risk of the damage or the um, potential harm to uh, data subjects, as it were. Mm -hmm. I think the transparency issue <coughs> brings in 
two problems. Mm-hmm. One is this, the, we have this responsible machine learning principles. Mm-hmm. One of them is transparency. Mm-hmm. Transparency tries to address what we call the black box problem mm-hmm. in artificial intelligence. Which is? We, we, put, we put data in, <laughs> we get outcome, we have no idea what happened happening? in the middle. Yeah, and yeah. you cannot interrogate what happened in the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now, a lot, the way, the exponential growth of artificial intelligence right now mm-hmm. is significantly powerful. A lot of companies between February and March and now moving towards April have been coming out with, with all these mm. advancements. Oh, now you can do video, now mm. you can do audio, now you can do we have better Augmented. better better speech to text or mm. we have better language models, better generative models, mm-hmm. better transformers. Mm-hmm. At the scale of the way things are moving, it's getting to the point where they also don't know how things are happening. An example, chat GPT four prompts are twenty five prompts for three hours. Because beyond sixty prompts, it started getting Weird. I think weird is the right word. Mm-hmm. It started getting less smart, but it started getting weird with its prompts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they have to figure that out. In the meantime, we put a cap. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out why does it behave this way at this stage. Yeah. So you're also not sure. And remember, this is this is this is a, a software that's supposed to improve on itself as mm. it learns. With mm. every year. Mm. Yeah. So as it's given more data to learn, it should it's basically be. changing. Yeah. So it's not the same thing it was yesterday or today. Yeah, and uh, it's an example of because ideally it should continue to uh, grow exponentially. Yeah, currently a lot of these uh, companies are being backed by uh, well the hardware behind them uh, are these units called A100s, mm-hmm. which are built by Nvidia. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are purposefully they are GPUs that go I think 100 GPUs in one. So it's a huge, huge motherboard of GPUs and mm-hmm. other tech components and semiconductors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that allow for this vast computing, this mm-hmm. speed that is able to train this model so mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. The A100s will be obsolete and replaced by the H100s, therefore mm-hmm. driving this even faster. So by the time you interrogate by the time you want transparency, mm. you'll be looking at the past. I know. Yeah. You're I like, know. we need to see what happened now when he made this decision. Yeah. By the time you see it now, it's, it's no longer the same thing. Yeah, yeah. A thousand steps yeah. in yeah. front. You, yeah. you took a photo of a chameleon on green grass. Yeah. You go back, look, the same chameleon is now yeah. red because it's, it's yeah. next to sand or mud. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I feel... It's transparency will be a significant challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is true. It is yeah, true. that's true. And Mike, I was, um, let me take you back. So... <laughs> For for us, the non-techies, um, I remember the first question I asked when everyone was talking about uh, chat GPT. Yeah. And my question was, I mean, it's we've always been talking about open source yeah. software. Yeah. I mean, forever. And I know me and you and Janet have had these conversations, like when we were having a lot of conversations about open banking. Yeah. Um, open government, how mm. now governments can, you know, and various entities can now uh, leverage on open source, uh, open source software mm. and why it's a big deal. Yeah. So then, why is ChatGPT a big deal? Yet it's a conversation 
I mean, there's always been open source software. Mm, yeah. mm. Explain to me, like, I'm a baby. Why, why it can't be open source? No, why, why, why is it a big deal? Why, why chat GPT and not Google? Because basically, mm. if you put in a question on Google, yeah. you do get answers. So, well, significantly, the difference is... And there are also move. other many... Yeah. There has been many other open source mm. softwares out yeah. there that have done... Uh, maybe the difference is now they, they've been very specific and not yeah. necessarily AGI, yeah. as you explained mm. what AGI yeah. does. Mm. I know those other open software platforms are very specific, but yeah. still, why is it a big deal? So, for some context, uh, Google has a search engine mm -hmm. yeah. that mm. is built to navigate the internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the internet is a curation of websites, mm -hmm. which either have live data, Mm -hmm. or store data. Mm -hmm. So you could go there and maybe s watch news that's live. Right. Or you could go there and consume data that's been stored, whether it's in text or any other format. Additionally, able, those websites allow for advertisements mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Google's search engine speaks to websites and advertising. Right. Mm. ChatGPT speaks to research. I need an answer to this. I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. The Google search engine is an answer to this and you're told you may find it in oh, all in these this. places. Yeah. All these places are there for you to choose. Yeah. Right. You see now you have, the, you'll, you'll discern for yourself, you'll go with the first link, second right. link, or the mm. third link. You may open all those links, you're like, this page is so hard to navigate, it doesn't look good, mm. you leave it. With ChatGPT, you're being given an answer, mm -hmm. which you may choose to accept, and that's up to you, or you may choose, okay, I got an answer, let me then go back and Google a few sites and try to find out. Mm -hmm. And so there's that, that issue of the search engine technology versus the AI. But then again, Google search engine for a long time, okay, I still, okay, I don't know how good this new AI <laughs> wave, I don't, I don't want to give you too much hype. Mm -hmm. Google search engine was powered by the most powerful AI. Mm -hmm. There's an AI behind the Google search engine. Okay. A lot of Google's technology sits behind artificial intelligence. Okay. Okay. Then us, we only get to see a glimpse of it through mm -hmm. the search engine. Mm -hmm. But there's a huge, there's huge AI behind it. Okay. So now ChatGPT is able to, from the data it's been trained, to be very specific and give you an answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then now that another risk that again now comes in is one plus one is two. You've not shown your work. Yeah. With I a search that. engine, you can show your work. Yeah. Which are GPT, it will give you an answer. You can ask it to validate the answer. You can, you can question yeah. it and prompt it. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's liberal uh -huh. or if it's conservative, yeah. and it's, it could be built for either because it still has to be commercialized. Mm. So it may be have a few liberal answers because maybe the world is feeling very liberal. Yeah. If yeah. the world feels a bit more to the right, it will shift. Yeah. If the it's violence, it's left. violence. Yeah. <laughs> because it still has to be commercialized. So there's. There's a huge difference between those two technologies. Yeah. Um, and I guess whenever there's hype, we tend to forget. To ask the, the real, real to questions. To ask the real questions. Yeah. So ChatGPT, again, remember, it's also a language model. Mm. And language models weigh and predict the next word. Mm -hmm. So if you train ChatGPT, that if it rains, as it's raining here in Kenya, mm -hmm. that if they sit raining outside, they put on my gambits. Mm -hmm. Then a bunch of us come and tell and say, when if it's raining outside, you put on a raincoat. Which one weighs more is the answer it will always give. Yeah. Both answers are correct. Yes. But it will tell you definitively the answer is gambles. Yeah. Because 
it was strange that the answer is gumboots. So rain, gumboots. The next word after rain, gumboots weighs heavier than the word raincoat. Yeah. So it predicts that. Wow. Yeah. So, if, so you could, it's also very easy to do misinformation. Yes. Exactly. Because you say language, yes. language models are just language models. Mm-hmm. It's just language. Yeah. And if it's a good language model, it will pick. They usually say a salesman can sell you the ocean. Yeah. A good salesman yeah. can sell you the ocean. Yeah. It will sell you whatever you want because exactly. the language is good enough yeah. that you won't find anything yeah. significant. Yeah. It has no grammar errors. Yeah. It's explaining its points very well. Yeah. And it could be fully new. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious to hear um, your thoughts and Janet's um, tied to the black box thing mm-hmm. uh, and output thing as well as liability. Um, because I've just remembered I saw this tweet from uh, Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you saw it, mm. where he um, on chat GPT. He asked it to write a poem about um, uh, Trump, Mm -hmm. and then he also told it to write a poem about uh, Biden. And (laughs) that was as the bias came out, because the one about Trump had like negative connotations, uh, while the one about Biden was... He's a hero and, and, and all. Yeah. So it speaks to that. So in fact, when I saw that um, tweet of Jordan Peterson, my question um, was on the issue of liability. I mean, I was curious, like how are regulators mm-hmm. um, looking at um, the issue of liability at the moment? Or is it one of those um, letters? Because as, as you said, they're still learning. Let yeah. us not stifle innovation because... Yeah they need to be fed with yeah. a lot mm. of data yeah. to get to a place where what will be the right time to now regulate and look at liability and say, um, and, and now people start thinking the consequences of yeah. such things because clearly that was quite um, biased yeah. and, and, and subjective. So I don't know, Jano, if, if you've been able to see what how regulators <coughs> have been looking at that issue. Um. The, the the EU probably and the UK regulator, these are the data protection for now. The EU it's the parliament dealing with this whole artificial intelligence, but both the the EU parliament and the ICO offices have issued of or have tried to issue guidelines to do with um, accuracy, mm. especially in terms of them just complying with data protection regulations, but more so accuracy of the information they collect yeah. and the accuracy of the information or the service they give out after um, analyzing and yeah. compounding and dealing with this data over the several years that they collect it. But the other thing is that the, there is nobody who can guarantee the accuracy of the information because that's there's the information thing. that's fed to it, but there's information it infers, like yeah. you said, from other sources, yeah. Yeah. from other things. Yeah. So there's that what it's been trained to yeah. do the information that's fed to it to do what it's supposed yeah, to do. See, if you don't have reference. data to train an AI, you can always get synthetic data. Exactly. What's synthetic data? It's not real data. It, Wh- where do you get it from? It's built by other... Uh, so if, let's say you're looking for credit people's names and phone numbers right. and to do some algorithm on age, phone numbers and everything. Right. You can have... There are models who can just generate random data. So it will create random names with random ages and all that. And then I use that routine. Mm. Yeah, so it's synthetic. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's data that doesn't yeah. have a data subject. Yeah. yeah. So there's that risk. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's 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 they are trying to legislate, mm. they're trying to issue guidelines, yeah. but like Michael said, But Michael, said, I mean as a techie, also, yeah, time. would you cause I'd say like I would see how the AI community would say 
don't stay for last not mm. now Um, let us get as much data as we can with the whole, you know, yeah. I know they would scrape, yeah. get mm. whatever data yeah. would be out there. And then they keep improving, I'd say, mm. the models over yeah. time so that um, they'd ask the regulator, don't look at that particular aspect mm. for now, just ask us to do the, you know, responsible, bare minimum, um, minimum yeah. ethically, mm. yeah. um, so that no one deliberately you know fed that data there yeah. mm. but as janet said maybe that poem was as a cause of inference mm. um from various sources that yeah. concluded that you know or mm. picked Trump up the bias. The bad guy. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so i don't know what your thoughts are as thought, someone who yeah. is in that well, um, industry i think it's important to have a strategy mm-hmm. and and the strategy of course would yeah there's there's the there's those nine machine learning principles mm-hmm around like the explainability accuracy privacy all those things which are inherently good but also uh for example everything that the EU is doing when it comes to specifically to AI and specifically AI that's going to be used in Africa this is one thing mm-hmm. we can't copy paste mm-hmm. if we copy paste that legislation we get it horribly wrong mm-hmm. it's why it's how do you put it they are training ai the mm-hmm. innovators are training ai mm-hmm. just as a trying to come up with a way to to ensure safety of data mm-hmm. subjects mm-hmm. and also account for liability right. for people right for that specific ai right that's those are fishermen yeah <laughs> now here we are hunters we are farmers <laughs> who <laughs> water is poured on plants mm-hmm. water is mm-hmm. not life for fish mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because that's the sig- how significantly different ai is because yeah. even those biases that we see in ai yeah. actually not bad yeah. you see that inference that the, the poem you gave as an example mm-hmm. lets us actually realize now this ai was built with a certain bias right mm-hmm. so it has it may it may not be aware and it, of course it doesn't have self awareness but it will always align itself to a certain political group mm-hmm. which is the same as what companies would do mm-hmm. i'll come put up a data center in africa because the political climate now allows yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> the political climate of the country goes bad Open i move servers. it to the next <laughs> i move it to the next country you go to the next one yeah. so i feel it's still the same thing yeah it's yeah the same same dance that's going on mm-hmm. the only problem i think that's always there is that people don't know how to deal with artificial intelligence like companies will find a company. Mm-hmm. So with artificial intelligence, if it makes a mistake, mm-hmm. you shut it down. Mm-hmm. When you find a company, the company actually feels that pain. It does. Make it pay. It does. Make yeah. it pay. So yeah. if you, for example, let's say uh, Italy, Italy recently banned chat GPT. Mm-hmm. So those who had paid for it, I'm guessing, I don't know if they're getting refunds. Mm-hmm. So there's a pain mm-hmm. the company might feel mm-hmm. if they have to give refunds yeah. absolutely but the ai mm-hmm. unfortunately because <laughs> it learns and improves how yeah. do you unteach it so that it doesn't make the mistake <laughs> that it did, yeah. and you see you only call it a mistake because it may be the right thing yeah but you may have felt as a group it could have handled the situation better mm-hmm. but now how do you untrain people retrain models mm-hmm. so you don't need to write a whole like you don't need to write a, a huge program. model mm. so recently um, so retraining mm. 
technically retraining are you untraining no or retraining is you introducing so for example retraining yeah. i that was 2019 mm-hmm. i think it was blue something it's an ai model for speech to text but it then does this it does no it's sorry text to speech mm-hmm. does the text in your voice okay mm. okay needed about 5000 3000 Mm-hmm. phrases mm-hmm. for it to sound like you. Mm-hmm. I did a lot more than that mm-hmm. and it failed. This is in local dialect or what? No, I did local it in accent. English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's an issue of the accent. Yeah. So I was retraining the model mm-hmm. using because it was trained on a white male's voice. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to have it with an African male voice. <laughs> yeah. And it's still after after going through everything it becomes hard and you have to train it you have to train it even harder mm. because at some point it has to be able not to not to speak to to what to any inferences yeah. it had yeah. in the past yeah. Yeah. so that's a challenge yeah. but it's it's always better to like if the model is flawed in how it's been built mm-hmm. i don't think you start from scratch it, yeah. i don't think retraining it could actually help you yeah. so for example um There are, there are a lot of language models you can get. Right. You can download online for free. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you retrain them as opposed to having to sit down and write all these complex language models and decide what's the weight of different words and all of that. Mm-hmm. You can get a language model, mm-hmm. retrain it. Mm-hmm. You retrain it, it becomes different than the one that's in use. Right. The school of thought that they approach that with, the person who wrote it to be trained, mm-hmm. wrote it to be trained knowing mm-hmm. in specifics how english works so i'm not going to be able to train it to do swahili i need to come up with a better way i have to come up with a new model for these dialects or otherwise i have to brute force the training which is not effective yeah. so there are already challenges yeah. on a technical perspective to get ai to work right within mm-hmm. africa yeah now the legal ramifications of copy pasting like Oh president says oh, we always copy oh, common absolutely. law you yeah. can imagine how yeah. it won't it won't, it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and actually what the EU what saying. was saying in its legislation and it recognized that and it said because it's an EU legislation mm. we acknowledge that in terms of national um, implementation mm. there will be challenges yeah. so they've even made room to the extent that in case there's national legislation or there's national um Uh, pieces of guidelines mm. that exist mm. give um collaborate yes. or actually them mm. have them run together so that the EU is more of an advisory than mm. the national legislation takes precedence yeah. because they acknowledge what is good for Greece may not necessarily be what is good for France like yeah. you're saying what is good for Europe may not be necessarily what is good for Kenya yeah. Yeah. yeah um speaking of um i mean um customized uh, regulations or laws um to fit to be fit for purpose um i know from the au perspective there's a standards and guidelines for artificial intelli- intelligence and yeah. data protection in africa uh, 2020 um and uh, au developed guidelines um uh, to provide guidance on the development and use of ai in africa and uh, what these guidelines do is they emphasize the need for responsible ai development mm-hmm. and use and uh, provide recommendations for addressing ethical legal and social issues related to ai mm-hmm. so i mean to mm-hmm. michael's point yeah. we need to do a lot more yeah. um that is led 
locally. Uh, locally. locally. Not like, just at the AU level, not but at the, even at even national, at national level. level. Yeah, yeah. And I know at national level there's been many efforts. Um, so for instance, I know in, in South Africa, um, Nigeria, Kenya itself, so when you go in Tunisia, when you go to most countries, there's been um, national efforts to at least um, grapple or wrap their head around um, 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 AI yeah. mm. uh, from a policy perspective. Yeah. Mm. So, and I know in Kenya as well. So, yeah, we, we had that, that sitting committee. That, that could be. Force, yeah. Oh yeah, there was the uh, blockchain, uh, blockchain and artificial intelligence yeah. uh, task force, yeah. which yeah. I know came up with several recommendations mm. yeah. on how the government can um, can 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 utilize AI. Yeah. And I think actually from that report yeah. of the AI and uh, for the blockchain and AI task force, mm -hmm. many things came out of it. For instance. There was a white box project mm -hmm. which uh, we were part of. Sandbox, yeah. The sandbox, which was a government sandbox that um, you know was supposed to ideally, um, I mean, on paper, yeah. it was supposed if it worked yeah. perfectly, no it was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to take on developers, mm -hmm. yeah. and then um, it was supposed to tap into. Um, yeah. say the techies who are really good um, on mm. most of these technologies mm. and then they were supposed to be deployed into government because exactly. that's when government was looking at um, the you know digitization yeah. Yeah. I mean the even now I know it's still a big deal about the 5,000 digitizing 5,000 um, public um, mm. services yeah. um, and ideally on paper that was supposed to happen and I know um, even um, we've been seeing a lot of activity from um, my good friend Philip Thigo, Dr. Mm. Singoe, Singo mm -hmm. I know they've been leading a lot of conversations on open government. Mm. And ideally, behind of an open government, then you find there are many intersections between AI and mm. how the open government is supposed to operate and work. So I know it's conversations that have been happening also yeah. mm -hmm. uh, from a Kenyan um, um, point of view. Mm -hmm. But I guess the thing is, how 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 do you bring them together, yeah. and then how do you make sure they see the light of day, mm -hmm. um, and then how do you also tap into the AU aspect yeah. um, to tap into the regional, um, I would say the regional what um, the region because because from a either governance governance um, perspective or whether uh, commercial so like yeah. now we keep talking about after. Mm -hmm. And how after is a big deal, how it's supposed to unlock business, how it's supposed to introduce efficiencies within business. Mm -hmm. And I know AI is one of those things that you guys keep telling us all the time, if, if it's harnessed properly, mm -hmm. um, then businesses can benefit yeah. and um, um, commercially mm -hmm. govern governments themselves yeah. mm. can <coughs> benefit if they leverage on it um, the right way yeah. and... and so, I mean, for me, it's when this will all, when will it ever come together mm -hmm. so that we we don't stop at the piecemeal. Mm -hmm. Like I know, um, obviously, the Data Protection Act, mm -hmm. uh, which I think you will tell us more about, um, one of the backgrounds is the commercial use of, of data. Uh, and really, historically, um, the members of parliament were looking at uh, banks mm -hmm. <laughs> and they were saying, you know, banks are doing all yeah. these things uh, with customers' data. Yeah. For instance, uh, leveraging on um, the commercial decision making, the credit scoring and everything, mm -hmm. which Funny was... Enough, <laughs> I, I now believe banks 
don't really use that much. They have a lot of data. I don't think they use it. They don't. Much. They don't. But that's uh, but that's what bank? that's what parliamentarians uh, which were bank, actually. Yeah. <laughs> which bank? <laughs> Local <Discrimination>. banks. <laughs> the, the data is best used by digital the digital digital credit, digital, land, credit, digital credit providers. providers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other other fintechs. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's true. Credit bureaus yeah. and yeah. some other yeah. data companies. Yeah. Yeah. I think banks just tap into them and they're like, oh, we have all this data help us. I don't, banks are not. But that, that's what I came to learn. Yeah. Banks are not. Yeah, and they, every consumer. Yeah, and they, DCPs, heavy, they store a lot of data, they, but, they're but not, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, DCPs were also a huge <laughs> trigger uh, for parliament as well yeah. Yeah. because of what they call predatory practices yeah. as well. We'll speak as about uh, commercialization of data because mm-hmm. then now that comes into uh, intellectual property. Yeah, because. Mm. Yeah. If my data is commercialized, if I allow my data to be commercialized to train an AI, mm-hmm. do I own an intellectual property? Should I, I own? We'll, or d- we'll break it down in two parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, commercialization, as mm-hmm. you know it, mm-hmm. and commercialization as defined in the Data Protection Act mm-hmm. may mean two different things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they may lead across the same path. Mm-hmm. At some point, they might converge. So the commercialization under the Data Protection Act is the fact that they use your particular data sets yeah. for various commercial activities to further their business objectives, mm-hmm. such as direct marketing, such as selling to third parties, such as analytics, such as uh, machine learning, and all those things yeah. to probably customize your experience, whether you know it or you don't know it. Now, your personal data, as collected in the raw format, may mm-hmm. be yours. But then we are talking about things that have been subjected to Agri- uh, analytics and everything to become some sort of aggregated data. Mm-hmm. Then that lies the question: Who owns the intellectual property? Going after that, which I let Catherine. And, and really, I mean, in fact, what it raises is not well. There is mm-hmm. the underlying the the basis is the IP bit, mm-hmm. yeah. but then the fundamental question: the regulator looks at it from a consumer protection mm-hmm. angle. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even want to get down to should you own IP to it. Mm. But as long as these banks and all these people are commercializing your data, we can draw a dotted line where we are seeing that they're commercially mm. benefiting from it. So why can't you be a beneficiary, a beneficiary well. of it? Why can't you also have a ref share? Mm. I mean, mm. as long as they're profiting from it, why can't Michael get whatever it is from it? And that actually informed a lot of... Um, consumer protection laws that we have now, the data protection laws, which we're now giving back the power to Michael. Mm. Does this in, so I have a, a hypothetical situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tells me whether it's more hypothetical or it mm-hmm. can work in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenya decides to fully digitize. Right. Mm. One of the challenges of African training models in Africa with African data is that data is not even digital. Mm-hmm. It's in books. It's That's in our heads. That's true. It's in historical. It's in my historical. grandmother's yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> so now we've done the hard work. We put up the infrastructure to store this data. Right. Put up the infrastructure to collect the data. Right. Now, because of our laws, if another a European corporate comes in or an American corporate or a non-Kenyan corporate comes in mm-hmm. and says, oh, we have this model that if we train can be used for X or Z that will benefit your people. Mm-hmm. In theory or in practice, where does it work that the country can say, well, our data is a national resource, so you're going to have to pay 
to use it to train your models. Mm-hmm. Is that more in theory or in practice? It's in practice. And I'll, mm. without mentioning names, because I'm trying to sustain certain relationships, mm-hmm. uh, a big tech was recently in Kenya. In the past few years, mm-hmm. they have been digitizing our records at the Museum of Kenya mm-hmm. with the government of Kenya. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these things may be lost in fire, are not yeah. properly kept, are not properly stored. We are not storing them in museum kind of conditions. Mm. So they offered. They said mm. we have the tools, we have the software, we have the system to digitize your entire museum. Yeah. Uh, on museum mean for you. Yeah. And the government of Kenya signed a partnership deal with them to digitize that. Now the pertinent questions that were being asked by participants in the event was... Does the government of Kenya still maintain intellectual property on this? Yeah. What are the parameters of this relationship? Can the government of Kenya tell this service provider at some point, delete everything or give us everything? You did what you were supposed to do. A customer-employee relationship has now ended. Delete everything, give us everything that we own. And do, we have a, do we have a stake in the proceeds? That was the question because Good now question. The, the essence of this was to make it available to a global platform. Mm-hmm. For people who cannot be able to come to the museums of Nairobi, they would be able to access it from this platform and it will also be used for educational pl- uh, reasons for schools that are not able to come to Nairobi. I wish I saw what was in that agreement <laughs> because I have the same <laughs> questions that and you And that's have. the thing, and that's the same conversation if you remember, the same conversation that was had um, relating to Huduma Number. You remember initially mm. uh, when it was brought on board and the government was had partnered with a private entity to provide the chips yeah. and everything and the chips would have now it would tap into um, our registries and would, yeah. uh, would integrate with our registries and would be able to have the personal information of citizens of yeah. Kenya. And you know uh, the moment God, government is a custodian of your data mm. yeah. as a citizen. And usually, so the two conversations are usually separated. Yeah, There's a whole commercialization of, um, mm. you know, p- private, mm. what you'd call like private data. You know, mm. I, I have worked to say I'm um, MNO mm. and um, in the process is a contract, whatever, and they will be taking on my uh, private um, personal information. Yeah. And there's this other data that government has because from a public um, aspect, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a custodian of your data. So then the conversations has always been, should, is it even in the interest of citizens um, for a government to enter into these contracts or into these mm. whatever private partnerships and everything or private arrangements mm-hmm. where um, the data of their citizens mm-hmm. or yeah. their personal information mm-hmm. can come into, or it's, let's just say it's outside their control mm-hmm. because now the issue of control comes in. So, now it becomes a, so it's more like the citizens should okay mm-hmm. the government get into such partnerships because of the data. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then there's a higher threshold, I'd say, for governments that's placed when it comes to the data protection space. Yeah. There's always a higher threshold for your government mm-hmm. uh, on how your government stores your data, processes your data. And that's why most governments will not under any circumstances, get into such uh, arrangements. And I think it's just more common, like I've seen use cases in Africa um, where governments are doing this without necessarily having um, Mm. thought of it. And if you remember about the Huduma number issue, it's actually the citizens that, um, you know, there was an uproar and people, you know, if people hadn't intervened and it would have been there. And I I know it's the same conversation that is had about, and maybe Mike, you can educate us more on this, 
about um, a government mm-hmm. um, being able in terms of cloud um, cloud services yeah. in, in terms of outsourcing um, same thing should it be able to have is how can it have control what mm-hmm. would call 100% control of its data mm-hmm. what would it adopt what should it adopt technically so that they maintain what we call data sovereignty which is um, and I know, I mean, those issues come up like, um, you know, where, where, where do these companies yeah. have data centers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the, our government in Kenya currently talking about digitizing this, digitizing that, digitizing yeah. this. Yeah. When it comes to cloud services, technically, what does that mean when the government say on boards Microsoft, IBM, I don't know, all those other people? So that's actually very interesting. And it's one of the key challenges around artificial intelligence is you don't just put it on a server. Mm-hmm. They are put in very sophisticated data centers mm-hmm. that run on hundreds of GPUs mm-hmm. that only a handful of companies make them. Mm-hmm. And you find the company that makes it is building an air product mm-hmm. that is competing with the company that's buying the hardware mm-hmm. to make its own other AI mm-hmm. product. So already now the whole question of if data needs to sovereignly sit within Africa's borders, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our governments need to attract these companies Mm. to build such data centers here. Mm -hmm. An example of NVIDIA is probably the leading leading, uh, GPU Mm. manufacturer in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then behind behind them is another company. I think it's T, what on their name, I'll remember shortly. Mm-hmm. They are the largest semiconductor producers. Mm-hmm. So NVIDIA relies on the semiconductors. They tried to do their own. Okay. It was not commercially and in terms of scale, commerciality and quality, mm-hmm. it didn't work. Okay. So every majority of the uh, semiconductors come from this company to the whole world. Okay. Mm-hmm. This Chinese company. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. NVIDIA, you take those semiconductors, add them as components to their GPUs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they build these powerful GPU servers, mm-hmm. and they give them to Microsoft, they give them to all these other companies, they give mm-hmm. them to OpenAI, mm-hmm. and then they sit in their data centers in Europe, mm-hmm. and we feed them African data. Mm-hmm. So our data is still living. Mm-hmm. So if we want wow. sovereignty, mm. wow. and we are would, it, would, it, would it make more? Or it would, I, I feel, attract them to put up those data centers yeah. here. Yeah. Africa's population is going to be at 2 billion uh-huh. in the next So does that mean years. we would have to attract them from a regional level? It would be it more attractive as be, opposed to... Yeah, because if you say... From a national level. Let's yeah. from a national level. <laughs> yeah. The predictions also say Nairobi is going to be in the not even the top 10 most favorable cities to live Do in business. those 30 years yeah. because it's going to be too expensive mm-hmm. to live in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why would you put up that, that data center but in Nairobi? But down south, they don't have electricity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they look up north. They look to North Africa. Yeah. So it's, so okay, the, it's, a, it's a commercial. Yeah. I mean, it's a commercial, commercial yeah. It becomes a commercial thing. Yeah. One of those trade deal things that you yeah. see government. Yeah, and yeah. actually can back see, going back to our conversation, I can see where they can tap into that because remember the conversation we're having about after Comesa, yeah. Yeah. there's the SADIC. PTA and all that. Yeah. So yeah, they can definitely tap into that Regional and attract. Blocks. Yeah. yeah, regional blocks can, mm. yeah. So I have, I have a final question. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it because mm. it has to. Let me see if I can phrase it right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as you're yeah. phrasing your question, I know yeah. I had mentioned about the uh, Kenyan regulatory yeah. uh, framework. We talked about the task force. Yeah. Um, so in Kenya, we also have the National Cyber Security Strategy that was enacted in 2020, the year of COVID. Yeah. AKA yeah. the year of COVID. Mm. <laughs> So the National Cybersecurity Strategy, um, it covers the use of AI in cybersecurity. Mm. And um, the strategy recognizes the potential of AI in enhancing cybersecurity measures, but also acknowledges the need to address the risks and challenges associated with the use of AI in cybersecurity. Um, so that goes again additional to show how we're having, whether we're having these conversations in piecemeal silos conversations. or piecemeal. Yeah. But we, there's something, there's yeah. something in there. Yeah, no, you can lot, ask. Yeah, your there's a lot being considered. <laughs> so that helps me rephrase my question, uh -huh. because I'm looking at it from a legal and regulatory perspective. Mm -hmm. I wanted an opinion on the level of maturity, mm -hmm. but I'm seeing there's a bit of maturity mm -hmm. in terms of having the conversations as to how AI would affect. Kenya at a national level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or even at an infrastructure level for our critical infrastructure, mm -hmm. whether it's banking, telecommunication, mm -hmm. electricity and all of that. Mm -hmm. Those conversations are there. Yeah. If we now drill back to the consumer level, mm -hmm. what are some of the legal changes mm -hmm. you foresee with a mass adoption mm -hmm. of AI tools during our day to day? Mm. Um, one of the things I think is important, and this is learning from, I know you hate precedent, but we are not about reinventing <laughs> Michael, <laughs> but looking at what has happened in more developed countries, they mm. used to have very sector-specific AI regulations, mm -hmm. so that if it was transport, um, the regulatory authority in charge of transport would issue guidelines on a... a on the um, auto-driving sort of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it was within the financial sector, then you'd have the likes of CBK issuing an um, advisory on that, if it was within the telecom. So there were different um, regulations, guidelines being issued by the various sectors. What now we were discussing the EU has tried to do is to do away with the very um, silo approaches by the mm -hmm. various sector and come up with what it's calling a horizontal piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping as a country and as a region, we'll probably look at the horizontal sort of um, regulation that is issued and covers all aspects, all sectors, and at the end of the day, their aim is to actually improve on um, data subject rights and consumer protection. Because like Kate has mentioned, you have the task force talking on this side to the executive, you have the cybersecurity team um, coming up with its own regulation, you have the data protection of um, ODPC's office talking about automated decisions and commercialization and use of AI to achieve all these things. And they're all talking at different, um, on different levels. It becomes hard for me as a consumer to dash to this, a regulator if I'm wrong by this, or I have to dash to this regulator if I'm wrong. So if we can achieve a level of um, a holistic sort of regulation or laws to, that covers AI, and they're geared towards more protecting the consumer, but also uh, improving or allowing room for innovation, then that can be a starter in terms of now uh, ensuring that the government and the country amasses its use of AI. But it has to be, um, it has to be one of those pieces of regulations and laws that are, is geared towards um, consumer protection mainly and uh, improving on innovation. But it can't be each and every sector issuing oh. its own guideline, yeah. issuing its own practice notes and 
if I'm regulated by the two sectors, I listen to one regulator, then I don't have to listen to this other regulator because it's quiet. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's really good. And I think um, it's good that we have that policy mm. that I've just, um, the 2020 policy that I've told you, because that is supposed to be a reference a point mm -hmm. for parliament. So that now um, everybody, or rather every regulator then is able to look at what laws do we then need to review yeah. to accommodate um, AI uh, built technologies or how AI is affecting our sector. And um, so for instance, I know like, um, I mean the Data Protection Act can be pointed out as one of those things that uh, you can draw a dotted line that yeah, there was this, this. Um, but, and I know like when it comes to uh, registration, the patent registration system, I know our act made some uh, tweaks to accommodate uh, patenting of AI technologies, uh, inventions related to um, AI. So then what Janet is saying, there needs to be that total overhaul so that everybody is reading from the same book and nobody is left behind. Mm -hmm. I know, for instance, we have uh, the Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes mm -hmm. Act in Kenya, yeah. which um, we know, in a way, kind of, tries. like, it yeah. tries, it, it touches on, on, on some <laughs> aspects of um, that would arise or would be called imagined issues that are arising out of use of AI technologies. Yeah. But really, I mean, someone mm -hmm. needs to get busy and just... <laughs> um, work on that yeah, so that yeah. um, at all levels, as Janet has said, horizontally, at yeah. all levels, um, everybody is reading from the same book and the legislation that ends up being there across the board is enabling. Mm. Yeah. Is enabling and, and no, it also seals the loopholes, mm. so yeah. to speak, that yeah. would be there. And not only from Kenya, but from also oh, as a regional. regional. Yeah. Remember, Total. we have the AU, yeah. we have yeah. the regional blocks, and all these, uh, they always have their own guidelines, mm. their own mm. Um, mm. agendas. Well. Yeah. yeah, so can they also push this agenda? And that's the problem that ails us in Africa. There's always the siloed, I mean, mm. there's so many silos, mm. but I think if everybody can push the agenda from a very central point yeah. like if they did that with these um ai-led technologies yeah. this would be a good starting point yeah. on um on, on opening up we're always talking about opening up improving leveraging yeah. on yeah. I, th I think that conversation yeah. um that's one way but going back to traditionally how we've done it yeah. peaceful mm. siloed small, um, small. what someone is always left mm. behind small small and then it ends up not being facilitative so i know like for instance um we were just talking about liability a few minutes ago. Yeah. Then what arises from liability, it means that the next step we are going to is go to is enforcement. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You cannot talk about liability if there is no enforcement. And compliance um, mechanism. And compliance mechanism. Yeah. So then when I leave the liability bit, so for instance, the courts... Um, provided precedents <laughs> <laughs> or deliberated on certain issues, yeah. imagine AI issues and they say, nee, nee, nee. now the enforcement guy, yeah. are there enforcement mechanisms? Mm. Because that means across the board, the whole, I don't know if I'd call it end to end, mm. um, the whole quote unquote supply chain yeah. <laughs> from the beginning to the end, it would, Need to it would call for yeah. an overhaul yeah. to yeah. be able to be facilitative. So interesting i was hoping <laughs> at the end of this episode i'd have a lot more hope there is hope don't lose hope i'm just saying 
Michael, it's actually quite... Light. Uh, now I can see a light right? yeah. at the end of the tunnel. And it's very exciting. The unfortunate thing is, yeah. when the tunnel was just three kilometers to go, it now feels a hundred kilometers, <laughs> no but now way. this place is a light. I think, Michael, what mm. you should do, and I mean, this is good. This mm. is a conversation starter here. It's, it's me and Catherine. It looks mm. small. But tomorrow I might meet another three people in government. Yeah. She might meet another five people in policy. I might meet another people lobbying for something. Yeah. And we spread the word. Yeah. And I'll tell them there's this yeah. guy, Michael, who does this podcast yeah. and is interested in talking to you about government position. And such conversations yeah. are the ones that now kick real, it into. Real Let's con- implement. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. do a task force. Yeah. Let's reach out yeah. to our regional yeah. neighbors. But it starts with conversations like this. Thought and provokers. Yeah. They, they're level. hard, they're tough, but yeah. they end up being thought provokers. Yeah. And they end up producing the soldiers who are the sort of front like frontline yeah. yeah. soldiers who mm. say, I have thought of this thing from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so eventually, let's say like when you, Michael, end up in the driver's seat mm-hmm. and you're the one who is driving this the next task force that Chill. we have. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> task force I, mean, I mean, we Valid will, dreams. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we'll yeah. have theoretically, yeah. practically looked at all these things. Exactly. And you'll have had very insightful and thought-provoking conversations yeah. with literally all, I'd say, many stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So then it will be a better conversation than someone. A very so that's why one. it's very easy yeah. for you to think it's dim. Yeah. But, I don't think I, I, I'm a very when, optimistic yeah, when approach. An idea comes, <laughs> when an idea comes to fruition, nobody mm. can stop it. Yeah. It's probably marinating right now, yeah. but it will come to yeah. fruition. So I'm seeing some more light. So there is hope. For, <laughs> there is hope for. Uh, I think technology. you should get him your friend in government. Uh? Your friend in government to give him a small pep talk. Oh yeah, Philip yeah. Figo, you yeah. must, you must come. Come through. Come through. <laughs> come through. <laughs> So give this I young can, man some hope. I can appreciate that there will be an intersection yeah. Yeah. that will happen soon mm. between legal government regulation mm-hmm. and artificial intelligence. That I do feel a bit, I, I feel more confident so. about it. I think as long as the right players are having the right mm. conversation in the same mm. room, in mm. the same room, because mm. silos very brilliant conversations have been had but in silos and they take us nowhere Um, I mean we are the traditionally lawyers wouldn't be sitting in such a forum with having this con but here we are but here we are so (laughs) I mean yeah yeah Yeah. 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 All right. thanks thank you so much Janet Catherine always a pleasure this was so nice this was fun this was enjoyable this was fun can we shoot another episode (laughs) immediately after this like I feel like (laughs) that conversation it could have gone on and on and on so guys uh, on the comment section of the podcast if you'd like to for us to go deeper into this please uh, drop us drop us a comment like the episode the more you like the episode the more likely Mm. we can we can dive deeper into this So remember to subscribe and check out the previous episodes. Thank you. Subscribe, please.